Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Live a Little, this crazy little podcast with uh, the voice of the Grizzlies, Pete Pranica, that be me, and uh, Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness guru. Uh, and uh, as always, we talk about stuff, and we always do it over a beer. The Ted Lasso. Boy, that was that was, that was robust. That was a good <laughs> one. The, the Ted Lasso toast. So, Mr. Graber, you are the provider of today's beverages, beverage. Uh, what do we got here? So this is one of my favorite IPAs. It's a high... Uh, I'm sorry. I, that's before any beer. This is a hazy IPA called Bo Echo, mm-hmm. local from Wiseacre. Okay. Shout out Wiseacre, one of our, one of our favorite spots. Um, today's show, as always, we're going to talk about what's going on, recommendations, we are going to air some grievance. Do you have a grievance? I several. Several. So I'll, I'll pare them down okay. between now and then. <laughs> and then uh, Greg will offer us his mindful moment, and then we got to look ahead. And I've got some cool stuff to look ahead, but I, I got a lot of stuff. What's going on? So I'm going to let you go first. So we missed you Saturday morning at six thirty at the brass door. This for, is true for this Arsenal's true. Uh, yeah inaugural game of the season. Which was pretty good. I, I got a little bit nervous. We went up on Nottingham Forest 2 0 at halftime, and that's, as you know, the most dangerous score mm-hmm. in soccer. Ended up 2 1, but I'm pretty happy. Other than the injury to Timber, uh, I think we looked pretty good, and it was, a, it was a good day. The only problem with, and this is major, watching a game at 6 30 a.m. at the brass door <laughs> is you have a couple of these. And it's a long day, Mr. Pranica. <laughs> but I thought I, I, I thought I saw your uh, your post that that you had an Irish coffee. That's the start. That's breakfast. Oh, I that's don't want to be uncivilized and just get right into the good stuff. No, no, no. You don't. So, want, you don't want to. You, know, you don't want to go for the Guinness first thing in the morning. Well, part of the reason that I was not there, actually, the reason that I was not there, FedEx St. Jude uh, Championship contested this past weekend at uh, TPC Southwind. Uh, Lucas Glover winning in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay. Uh, I was there. My cousin, uh, Adam, uh, flew in from L.A., big golf guy. And so uh, I played in the Celeb Am tournament on Thursday. But then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, I have access. I'm I'm part of the Captain's Club, which has a suite that overlooks 14T and 16 Green. And we just parked ourselves in 14T in relative comfort. I I can't... I, I really shudder to think what it would have been like to try to walk for oh. four days in, in that weather. And so, so yeah, so we were, we were all about golf. So I did, I did skip the Arsenal match, but um, the captain's club sounds a little bit like the grotto at the Playboy mansion. Is it that <laughs> uh, there, there is free food and beverage. It's <laughs> limited. I think, I think we like 200 members or, or something like that. Uh, there's free food and beverage. And part of it is um, it is designed to be a booster club for the tournament and also for St. Jude. So we donated, based on the number of birdies and eagles, birdies on 14, eagles on 16, we donated, donated cash to St. Jude. Um, and it's just, it's just a really, really good group of people. Lauren Roberts is there. Jack Sammons, of course, is part of that as well. Not only, I mean, he's, he's the general tournament chairman anyway. Jack's a great guy. But, yeah, Jack, uh, and Jack tells a great story, particularly after a Jack or two, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, I, I want to shout out all the volunteers. There are like a thousand plus of them. And um, I talked to uh, one of the women who was a marshal at 14T holding up the hush y'all sign. And she said she'd been doing it for 15 years. She said she would never, ever miss. It was like the highlight of her year. And these are really the people that make the tournament go. And we'll see what the final financials are for this. T- 
typically FedEx over and above whatever the tournament makes, FedEx will just like write another million dollar check to St. Jude, which sounds really good until you realize it costs almost $2 million a day. In fact, I think it's now over $2 million a day to keep the doors open at St. Jude wow. per day. Wow. But uh, What sure. a great cause. Great cause indeed. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I was having a conversation with someone earlier today about the tournament. Was it previously held in June? Yes. Years? Okay. Yeah, see, and, and, and this is the other thing too. And shout out to FedEx. I think they leaned on the PGA Tour a little bit because for the longest time, the FedEx St. Jude Classic, as it was then known, uh, was held the week before the U.S. Open. So the best players typically would skip the event. Phil Mickelson usually would come. And Phil Mickelson is a whole nother issue with all his gambling. And man, you talk about a guy who's whose reputation has gone absolutely down the drain and I think will continue to go down the drain. Um, and then they made it uh, later in the year, became a World Golf Championship event, which WGC doesn't really exist anymore. Now it's become part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And listener, if you're not a golf person, I'll explain it really, really quickly. Uh, as you go through the PGA Tour season, there are certain events where you get FedEx Cup points. The top 70 qualify for the tournament in Memphis. After that tournament, it's the top 50. They go on to the BMW Championship, which this year is at Olympia Fields Country Club outside Chicago. And then they cut it down to 30. And then the top 30 play in what a tournament called the Tour Championship, which is in Atlanta, Georgia. And whoever wins that, you win the FedEx Cup. So this is the first of the playoffs. So it is massive. And because the tournament used to be the week before the US Open, you'd look at the field and go like, who are these guys? I mean, even if you were a pretty good follower of the PGA Tour, you were like, I, geez, I don't, I don't even know this guy. Well, now you're talking Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and really the, the high end of competition. Now, of course, the live. Brooks, all those guys. No, Brooks is not. Really? No, no, Brooks no? plays live golf, oh. which is a dirty word okay. in, in the PGA Tour. I thought they had sort of, we touched on this last week. It's uh, still kind of ambiguous as far as the way that they're going to come together and merge? Well, what's interesting about it, okay, so Will Zalatoris won the tournament last year. He had a back injury. He's recovering, not able to play this year. He came and he met with the captain's club over breakfast uh, before the tournament. And one of the questions was, okay, tell us about the merger. And he says, I really don't know. So there's there's a lot, I think, really to be unpacked with that. So um, We see something similar going on in the world in the world of soccer now with the Saudi Arabia League yeah you've noticed they've started mm -hmm. signing a bunch of the Premier League superstars right oh, and throwing, interesting to see how that plays out throwing lots of money at them um, one other thing I want to touch on here and that is uh, ESPN has made some changes with their top NBA broadcasting team Mark Jackson Jeff Van Gundy out Doris Burke now in with Doc Rivers along with Mike Breen they'll be the top commentary team for ESPN I, I know Doris Burke very well. She's fantastic, and I think she'll do a fantastic job. Uh, you know, played the game at a high level, particularly uh, at, at the collegiate level. She's been very good. She's been a sideline reporter. She's worked on radio. She's worked on television. Doc Rivers will, will certainly add some expertise as well. I don't know if this signals that Doc is pretty much done with coaching. How long he will stay in the broadcast booth remains to be seen. But another piece of the ESPN announcement that flew under the radar, I think, for some people, is that Hubie Brown signed an I extension. I saw that at 90 years old. Yeah, he's going to be 90 years this old. This is like 50th year of 50th broadcast. year in the NBA. How incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, am, I am thrilled for Hubie. And every once in a while I get asked, okay, who's on your bucket list to work with? And Hubie's at the top of the list. 
years ago, um, we tried to get Hubie if, if he would come and do like one Grizzlies game for us and could not work the schedule out for whatever reason. But that would be that would be my bucket list. If I could do a game with Hubie Brown. Um, a few years ago, I did an interview uh, with him uh, when he was working for uh, a game for ESPN, and I, I happened to be there. And just phenomenal guy and very detail-oriented. I remember then, too, one time I, I ran into him in the loading dock, and he says to me, Ah, hey, I love the telecast, but there's something screwy with your audio. <laughs> and he's like, so he's watching the games, and he's he's critiquing the the, 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 the the work of the work of the audio man. And um, so you missed him when he was the coach by two years, maybe? No, no, you? no. I was here the year that he resigned. Oh, okay. That my first year here was oh four oh five. First year of the team was uh, in, in FedEx form, and to me that was. I get the job as the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and Jerry West is the general manager, and Hubie Brown is the coach. And I'm like, doesn't get any better. No, that. no, no. And and I, I love Hubie, um, but then Thanksgiving night we get on the charter flight, and all of a sudden he's up in the front of the plane, and then he walks out the back of the plane, and uh, that particular plane had a ramp down the down the rear, and that's how we entered and exited the aircraft. And before we took off, he had told the team that he was resigning and that was it and he just walked down down the aisle and out of our lives and I don't remember what part of the season was that do you like it what was, month was it it was it was uh I want to say it was like Thanksgiving night so the season we was about a month old it was about a month old yeah yeah and so I just had like about a month where I would do the radio pregame interview with him which was the easiest seven minutes of radio I've ever done which was uh coach you got the Knicks tonight what's important well, as you know, in this league, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I wish wish we had uh, had had more time together, but but we did not. Speaking of the Grizzlies and Grizzlies related stuff, I know that everybody has seen the story that has come out about the Tui family and Michael Orr. I know all of them, and out of fairness to them, I'm just not going to comment on it because, I, like I said, I know all the principles. It is. Uh, I will simply say it is a an ugly and unfortunate story. And uh, Greg, I don't know if you if you've seen this in your experience, but nothing tears families and relationships apart like money. Oh, it's terrible. We've all seen it, sadly. And I really don't care to comment on it either because Ole Miss basketball is one of my clients, and they play in the Tui Center, and so I yeah. don't want anything that I could say to be misconstrued, other no. than it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and uh, it it will play out unfortunately probably uh, in the media. So um, I, th I think we needed to just like recognize it because it is something that is going on here in Memphis. Um, Our three listeners are probably wanting us to opine on it. Right? Probably, so probably, but you're going to be disappointed. Um, okay, recommendations. Uh, what what uh, what's flown across your radar screen in the last week, Mr. Graver? So not just in the last week, I've. Uh, I've seen this probably three different times. There is a film on Netflix called Stutz. Have you seen that? I have not. S-T-U-T-Z. Okay. And basically, it is about the relationship between the actor Jonah Hill and his therapist, Philip Stutz. Okay, I, I've, I've seen the setup. Okay, now I know so what I'm, you're talking about. I'm yeah. not even a Jonah Hill fan. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit, I don't know, I'm probably too old to really even know some of the stuff that he's been in. But Moneyball. Yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that yeah. one. Um, but it's really an interesting take on he decided that he was going to film a documentary about the dynamic and the relationship between him and his therapist, his psychiatrist, 
Dr. Phil Stutz, who I would surmise is probably in his mid to late 70s. And he has this really unique approach to therapy and mental health where, as you know, if you're like me and you've been to a mental health therapist before, a psychologist, basically the way that it works is it's a process where you sit down, they listen to you, they may very sort of gently offer you some advice, but they expect you to work it out right. for yourself. Mm -hmm. Stutz, early on in his career as a therapist, really became disenchanted because patients would leave his office feeling like nothing was accomplished and some of them would never come back. So he gives them what he calls are these techniques, the tools, like tangible things that they can work on and feel better instantly, right. almost. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of friends because of what I do. You know, I do the mental performance training with these sports teams, and I'm into mindfulness. Uh, you know, I work with a lot of different people sort of in this realm, not as a counselor, but as an educator. So a lot of my friends are therapists, and they're really turned off by this unorthodox approach. I was talking to one of them yesterday, he won't even watch it. It's funny. And, and I'm not thinking this is some kind of cure or panacea that's going to fix every type of, of mental illness. No, it's just a different way of approaching yeah. it. It's a very sort of proactive, assertive approach. And it's really heartwarming, the relationship between the two and how vulnerable and open Stutz is to Jonah, his patient during the process, uh, their love for each other and admiration. I liked it so much the first time that I saw it a few months ago, I bought his book. It's called The Tools. I highly recommend that as well. It's it's so good, listener, you'll wanna you'll wanna watch it a couple of times, not just once. I find that interesting because I have gone to counselors in the past and a number of them have said after we go through the the clinical hour, they'll say, Okay, here's your homework before we meet again. So his approach unique to a lot of people, but I mean, I've, I've found that in certain counselors that I have worked with, that you have your conversation, maybe they kind of, kind of lead you. Usually it's, it's, I think it's their goal to get you to a place, but make you think it was your idea. Yeah. You know, but I, I do like the counselor that says, okay, well, we talked about this, this, and this, our hour's almost up. This is your homework for next time. I, I want you to think about this or journal about this so that when you come back, it's not like we're starting from square one. So it's, it's, Those are few, seem to be few and far between from my experience. I have one that I've seen. I'm going to give her a shout out. Karen Mason Reese, probably for 20 something years. I see her once a month now for what I call a tune up. Mm -hmm. I think she's even said in so many words before, do you really need to see me next time? Do you? I think she's trying to kind of push me out. But I really, I love the process and I love her approach. She's a little bit like Stutz, and that's maybe, you know, why why I like her so much. It's funny. I went with a few years before I married Holly, probably airing too much. Um, a, a former fiance of mine. We went for couples counseling, and I remember seeing on her face the look in her eyes. She didn't tell me anything, but it was almost like get the hell out of there. And I think I just really held her in great esteem after that. And I've loved her ever since. And she's been more of an advisor to me and a mentor than anything else. Yeah. So. And I, I think it's important too to bring up the fact that you don't need to be in the throes of clinical depression or 
something equally serious to go see a counselor. No, yeah, I'll give you a great metaphor. Mike Cody was my running coach. Mike, really well-known Memphian, a great athlete, lawyer. He was Martin Luther King's, they called him his young white lawyer when all the stuff went down here. Really cool guy. Um, he told me years ago, it's like when I started running and doing marathons back when I had knees, if I realized that I needed a sip of water or I needed to eat the gel out of the packet to get the sugary goo, it's too late at that point. I think counseling in some regards is a little bit like that. You're right. Mm -hmm. um, you need it before you know that you need it is the sort of paradox with it. Yeah, yeah. If, if you feel yourself really, really spiraling in a bad way, yeah, you're right. It's probably you needed counseling probably a little earlier. And I, I would just say to anyone that is dealing with anything, and you may not think it is serious, you may not think it's a big deal, but if you can find yourself a good person to talk to, I think that is... It's, it's absolutely crucial. Mental health is so important. I think a lot of people just kind of bypass it. You know, it, it's every bit as important as physical health. So that's, that, that's really cool. I like that. Um, my, mine is going to be far less important to uh, the human race, but uh, I got, last time we recorded, I said I was going to go see Oppenheimer right after we recorded. Oh, yeah, I want to know how you sat for three hours, because I don't know if I could do that. You know, usually I'm the person that I will glance at my watch periodically. I did not glance at my watch. It was it was a fast moving three hours. The pacing, I thought, was excellent. Killian uh, Murphy was just absolutely incredible, and uh, I think he had said, or Robert Downey, Downey Jr. had said, they think it's Christopher Nolan's tour de force, and I, it would be hard to argue. I mean, it it's so well done. And when you think that Christopher Nolan wrote it, directed it, produced it, did basically everything except I think composed the music and acted it. Um, it, it, it really is well done. And, you know, it, it, it shines a light on a historical figure that when you read the history books, oh, yeah, Robert Oppenheimer, father of the atomic bomb, period, end of story. Very, very nuanced, very layered person who had, um, you know, some communist leanings, not Soviet communism, but more socialism in terms of, hey, I think the government should take care of people. Was Einstein the same way? Not to put you on the spot, but it seems like he would have been sort of leaning that way. That well. I, I, I don't know. Einstein appears in the movie, but they don't talk about their political leanings. And so, you know, there was this huge and, and the what's also intriguing about the movie is that the Trinity test of the atomic bomb or and or the dropping of it on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it is not it is not the climax of the movie because there is uh, the Robert Downey Jr. character is trying to be confirmed for a position in the cabinet and he and Oppenheimer had gotten sideways back in the day. And so there is a movement to discredit Oppenheimer on a number of levels, whether it was an infidelity, whether it was things that he had said, whether he supported the H-bomb or did not support the H-bomb. We get introduced to Edward Teller who was not about the atomic bomb. He thought the hydrogen bomb was the way to go. See, I mean, there are all these things, you know, going on. And uh, then, uh, then all of a sudden, Kenneth Branagh uh, uh, appears as Niels Bohr, <laughs> the, the physicist. And it's, yeah, it just kind of kind of blows your mind. But it's, um, it's very, very well done. Uh, like I said, fantastic movie. Yes, it is three hours, but it was not one that I'm going like, okay, is this thing over yet? It was, uh, it was, it was very compelling. So big thumbs up to Oppenheimer. I'll have to check it out. See it in uh, see it in IMAX.
not wait for it to come on at home and stream it for 20 bucks? You wouldn't advise? Uh, I mean, if you, if you want the full effect. I mean, because Christopher Nolan is just an amazing, amazing filmmaker. Uh, okay, I think uh, I think we need to air some grievances. We're about halfway through our beers, so I think airing grievances is going to work really well right about now. <laughs> You're chugging your beer, so I guess I'll go. While yeah, you yeah, I'm going to let you go. That. Yeah, go ahead. I've got a couple really. One is really dopey political ads that insult my intelligence, and I'll give you one. And again, I'm not a partisan person. I'm not, you know, standing on a soapbox saying this side is better than the other side. But Tate Reeves, the governor right, of Mississippi, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, spanky Arbuckle looking dude. Um, he's at his daughter's soccer practice. Have you seen this one? I have not. First, I don't watch enough TV, apparently. I, I mean, you know my love for soccer. It's one of my right. main passions mm-hmm. in my life. But first of all, there's a real problem. You're on this pristine soccer pitch with your girl's select, I think it's his middle daughter, select soccer team. It's sort of this upper or upper middle class sport club, expensive to play. And his grievance is radicals are trying to infiltrate girls sports and let boys play he's getting off on this and i'm thinking jackson mississippi doesn't have clean water yeah you make flint michigan's water look like perrier almost um i just i'm like really i don't know any radicals that are really just you know what let's mess up women's sports let's put a bunch of trans and and or guys on girls teams and mess it up and I'm sure that really appeals to a lot of people for whatever reason. All the problems we have, not just in this country, but in the state of Mississippi, if you think about it. Shout out to our great Mississippi listeners, but we've got problems in this, in, this, in this entire country, but especially in the South. I would have rather have seen him talking about education or again, the drinking water or the, the failing physical infrastructure of the state, the environment, something like that. But, you know, these politicians really get on these fringe issues. And sadly, it widens that chasm between the two groups, you know. When, when you're not dealing with the red meat issues, but stuff that's kind of, kind of out of the main. Yeah, I mean, Jack- and, and it is a pro- I, I get it. But to me, the thing about... There is a there's a fairness issue with that specific issue, but there's also an equity issue. So it is a complex sort of situation. And I don't think you can sort of simplify it by saying, you know, radicals are trying to mess up girls sports by it's just it's dumb. Yeah, it's it's a I could see it as a political candidate, you can put that as a plank in your platform, but it's it's not the tent pole. I mean, if if I'm Tate Reeves and I'm, I'm running for governor again, you've got to do something about the infrastructure. You've got to do something about the poverty in Mississippi, the Education drinking water in Jackson. A, yeah. A, yeah. There's so many other areas, I think so many other issues that, yeah, I think are probably... And it's not just him. I, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. You know, we can get into the, the Trump stuff, too. There are four indictments now with, it, what is it, 91? 91 counts. I mean... Anyone still defending all that? I, you know, but people are digging in. Yeah, people like Mitch McConnell and 
It's absolutely insane the way that we talked about it a little bit last week. We have this cognitive dissonance where we try to find anything that will substantiate our core beliefs, whether we think they're true or not, and we hold on to it. It's more or less about being right now and not being wrong, which is ridiculous. It's rare to see people this day and age say one of two phrases. One, I don't know. And two, I was wrong. You never see that. No. And if they do, a lot of people will come down on them and say, well, you're wishy-washy instead of saying, no, I'm a nimble thinker. I'm open-minded. It's a good thing that I change my mind. I'm, I'm flexible with my cognitive abilities. It's, it's funny you should mention that. I was listening to one of Ryan Holiday's uh, podcasts, um, The Daily Stoic, and he was talking with a physicist. And they were just talking about, okay, so you're a physicist, so what do you do? He's like, well, I have this idea that X happens. So I'm going to try to prove the how and why X happens. And this physicist said, sometimes I'm doing my experiments, doing my experiments, and I find out that the opposite X of X is what's going to happen. And you find out that you've been putting all this effort in, and you find like, I've been going down the wrong road. I made the wrong supposition. I was wrong. And then you actually, after you step through the scientific process, you find what you were trying to prove is actually 180 degrees the opposite. And so you're following where the facts take you. And that's not something it's, uh, that we seem to be doing very, very much of. And, and like we talked in, I think, in the last episode, is like subtlety in conversation, subtlety in debating issues simply doesn't exist anymore. It was like the DeSantis with the AP psychology classes that we've discussed before. It's crazy. I, I think, have you ever seen, I, I think it was Mike Judge, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Idiocracy. It's like 20 years old, probably. It's about what happens in the future when we really get dummied down. Sadly, it was made as a satirical comedy, but it's almost become a documentary. I think every child in high school or every young adult, whatever you want to call them, should take a theory of knowledge class should take a critical thinking class and should also take a class to see if sources are correct or not. Because there's so much misinformation and disinformation on the internet. It's really made us dumber as a society, it's sad. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't say that I disagree. I mean, now you see it on the internet, that does not mean it is true. Uh, you really have to vet your sources. I, I in, in high school, I was very much involved in academic debate. And one of the things that you had to deal when you presented a piece of evidence like, well, well, who is this person? Why, why are they saying this? Are they an expert or are they, are they biased in some way, shape or form? You have done such really thoughtful stuff. And my grievances are so relatively I'm so, petty. I'm, I'm getting back in the school mode. We you're, started back this week. Yeah, so. you're, you're, doing, you're doing all the critical thinking. Um, you know, folks, uh, there's a lot of free shipping uh, with stuff. And you know what? You know why it's free shipping? Because the service sucks. That's why. <laughs> Here's, here's, how bad, here's how bad it is. So I'd ordered some stuff from Shutterfly, which normally I'm thrilled with their stuff. I like to get these metal photo tiles from different trips and, and put them on a wall, create a memory I like, wall. Yeah, I like your here in the Pranica home studio. You got some nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I'd, I'd done that. And on the same order, I had ordered some actual prints, believe it or not, to put in frames. And um, so you get the notification uh, and... Let's just put it this way. I ordered this print on July 29th. I got a, a survey from Shutterfly yesterday saying, are you pleased with the quality of your prints? 
One, I haven't received them yet <laughs> because they do this. It's like uh, USPS mail innovations. And so what they do is they ship it UPS from Shutterfly to the post office. And then when the post office gets around to it. What's the deal with the post office now? I, I noticed they run on Sundays now, but they don't run like three other days during the work week. I don't even. It's bizarre. I don't even know because I'll go to the, I'll go to the mailbox six o'clock at night and there's nothing there. And I like, no, I know somebody, somebody likes me. Somebody would have sent something to me. So yeah, so that, that, that's kind of crazy. And then the other thing too is, um, so we'll, we'll talk about this later. I'm going to Ireland. You, you knew that already. So I, I ordered a Travel Pro suitcase for this particular trip, which, of course, I'll use during grizzly season as well. And um, so I order it, and they work through shop.com. I don't know if you've ever ordered anything, but, but they're kind of a clearinghouse for a number of, of online retailers. And so they say, okay, well, we've got your order. We're going to send you the, the tracking information once we ship it. Never got a tracking number on this. <laughs> And then shop.com sounds a little generic, buddy. I don't well, they're, 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 well, they're, they're, like they're, they're cheapo air for well, airfare. Uh, yeah, right? but, like, like, but I guess they're, they're a clearinghouse because I've ordered, I order a lot of stuff online and, and Travel Pro works with them. And Travel Pro, by the way, once you get the case, they're amazing. I've had Travel Pro suitcases that they last forever. And you know, this is like a carry-on where you can fold your stuff and not have to check it. They have they or? have everything. Well, this no, I, I do have a rollerboard that I can put as a carry-on. But going to Ireland and also too for like three or four game trips, I need more than you know just just a rollerboard, particularly with my suits. Anyway, um, so I get this I get this email from Shop.com saying uh, your package was delivered. Go out and look at the front door. No, it's not been delivered. So, uh, okay. Well, I'd like to think this is a nice neighborhood. I don't think I have porch pirates here. So uh, I, I go back and I click on the FedEx link for the tracking link. And FedEx now, and th this is actually really cool. I, I will give FedEx props for this. When they deliver something to your door, they take a picture of it and post it. So you can look. It's like, okay, I'll click on the tracking number. It was delivered. And here's the picture of the things at my door. I click on the picture, I click on the link, and whatever this link is, there have, it's been delivered to somewhere in Washington State, and there's a picture of three Travel Pro boxes, not one, which was, would have been my order, and it's clearly not the front door of my house. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the first thing I do is I, you know, <laughs> I email Travel Pro, and it's like, look, this is the order number. This is what I ordered. You're telling me that it's been delivered. I click on the tracking number. There are three boxes. I ordered one. It also claims it was delivered to Washington State. You can see I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. First email back from Travel Pro is, well, our records indicate that, um, that the, 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 the box was delivered. Have you found it yet? At this point, I'm not happy. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't blame you on that. So now I start taking screenshots of everything. And I'm like, this is, this is what I ordered. This is my address. I am doing an international trip in about a week. I'm out $400, and I don't have a flipping suitcase. Now, to their credit, once they saw all this, they're going like, okay, we're shipping you one immediately. And thankfully, their warehouse is outside Atlanta. So I got it in like a couple of days. But good. Uh, I, I did talk to somebody and they said, you know, the reason why everybody's going for all this cheap and free shipping is because 
it's being trucked around and um, I think even FedEx now is getting rid of a lot of the independent um, companies that they would hire to deliver packages because those independent companies, they were not FedEx employees. They would throw boxes like you would not believe and destroy stuff and just not really care. So FedEx has gotten out of that business. They're like, no, we're going to handle all this stuff ourselves. So, uh, yeah, shipping issues. Yeah, okay. That, that's... I wonder if the supply chain is still an issue like it was during the pandemic. I, you know, anything that I've ordered, it, it's, not been, it's not been the supply chain. It's been, it's been the delivery, delivery method because I think everybody, you know, as, as a retailer, you're trying to get business and part of getting business is oh cheap shipping free shipping amazon prime shipping etc 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 so i know that's i know that's fairly superficial i am sorry mia culpa mia culpa mia culpa Um, no it's real if you think about it because when we were kids and young adults everybody would go up to the mall and buy a suitcase or whatever now we have everything shipped in this age of amazon right so yeah um okay we've done enough uh grievance I have a few more, but I'll save them for next time. Okay. All right. Uh, we, we need a mindful moment. I think we need to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back to studs. Okay. So one of the really neat things that he talked about is there are three certainties in life. And if we can embrace these three certainties of life and sort of work with them, we can lessen our mental and emotional suffering and anguish. So the first one is pain. We're always going to have pain. And I guess you could attach suffering to that too. We're always going to have pain and suffering in life. It's inevitable. And if you think about it, the more we try to resist the pain, the more it intensifies. So I'm not saying we should be a masochist and love pain, but when we are suffering or we're in pain and we have no control over the situation, it's better for us to lean into that pain and to accept it and to deal with it, if that makes sense. Right. Pain, pain and suffering can be an area for growth. Without a doubt. Uh, the second thing is uncertainty. You know, working in the mindfulness realm like I do with a lot of teams and corporations and individuals, a lot of us are sort of focused on not just necessarily on what's right around the corner in the future instead of being in the present moment, but we really worry a lot about uncertainty and things that sort of we have no control over. And the sooner that we can accept the fact that the only constant in life is change, the better off we are. We can either intensify our suffering by worrying about things we have no control over that are uncertain, or we can lessen the grip of that on us by sort of accepting it. And the third one is work. There's always work to do with those things, whatever the work is. Stutz talks about the tools, but just kind of working with it. We're always a work in progress. It's funny, Pete, I've known you for a long time, and we've talked about this before. I've worked a lot of, with a lot of athletes Grizzlies in the past, a bunch of college teams, corporate types as well. Um, I'll get someone, teach them these skills or like Stutz says, these tools, meditation, breathing, uh, visualization, positive affirmations, journaling. It puts them in a pretty good place 
mentally and emotionally, they'll be like, okay, I'm good now. I don't have to do this stuff anymore. No, work never stops. Never stops. We always have to do it. And it's almost like what we were talking about before with therapy. You just don't get it when you feel like you need it. You got to do this kind of stuff all the time. It's like exercising or it's like weightlifting. Not that I would know. You can look at my, <laughs> look at my arms. Um, when you stop lifting weights, your muscles are going to atrophy. It's the same things with, with our mind and our, our thoughts and our emotions. We've always got to do the work. That is one of the tenets of the Stoic philosophers. Do the work. Got to do it. And routines and rituals are so important for this kind of stuff. Whatever your thing is, you know, some of us, prayer really helps us in the morning, silent contemplation, box breathing, meditation, journaling, any time that we can sort of quiet our minds and sort of be inquisitive with what's going on with our thoughts and emotions and just know that it's always a work in, in progress and kind of, it sounds a little bit silly, but enjoy the process working with all that. Humans are complex individuals. You know, we were talking about that, the situation early on in this episode with the Tuies and Michael Orr, that's a prime example of every interaction, experience, whatever you want to call it, it's complex because humans themselves are complex. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody has what they bring to a particular relationship, their past, their hurts, their biases, their, their, their whatever. I would, I would recommend as a book... Have you read Alan Watts' The Wisdom it's really good. of Uncertainty? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've read a lot of his. He's great, or he was great. Yeah, the late, great Alan Watts. But yeah, The Wisdom of Uncertainty. And one of the things, too, that the, 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 the Buddhist tradition will teach you is that attachment to things causes suffering. Oh, it's, and, our, it's our clinging to things that are, it's the law of impermanence. And the law of impermanence basically says everything is impermanent. Everything is temporary. And, and you're absolutely right, Pete. Our suffering comes from trying to cling on and hold on too tight. Yeah, and that, that gets you into nothing but trouble. Now, that, that's a, gr a great quote, too, is your perception is your reality. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and two, you know, you talk about working on yourself. It's, I talk to, when people ask me about basketball players, for example, in, in my line of work, and I said, the best basketball players are the ones who approach their profession as a craft, which means you have to work on it every single day. And sometimes it is refining what you already do very well. And sometimes it is doing something that you don't do well and learning how to do it well so that you add it to your, shall I say, basketball tool belt so that you can do things. And that's part of it. It's part of how you develop as a human being is that you understand Maybe coping strategies is, is maybe the right word, but you there, there there's a craft to being um, a good and healthy person mentally and physically. And as we said, you have to do the work. Look at Kobe, how he was. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The, the, the famous quote, you know, like you're up, you know, two zero in the series, and are you happy? Like, no, we've only won two games. <laughs> you know, and 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 people ask me like, well, what about this guy? Is he going to be really good? It's like. Does he have this burning desire to be the absolute best in the world? Or is he just happy to collect a paycheck, uh, wear fancy clothes, travel on a private jet, stay at the Four Seasons? Because there are some guys in our league that they just love the lifestyle. 
And so, hey, I'm going to be good enough. Can't to... blame him for that. No. I mean, I'm getting excited. <laughs> Private plane for you're speaking my language now. <laughs> but but yeah, the, there are some guys that you know, and I can name a bunch of them. I won't, but I could. Uh, that could have been a lot better. I if, yeah, if they had I, really looked at this. I worked with a few of those. I'm yeah. not going to name names either. Actually, on, on several teams, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, they had the talent. But and and at sometimes they had the motivation, but they didn't really have that sort of growth mindset where I want to work on this every day. And it sounds so cliche. You hear these coaches like Nick Saban say it all the time. It's all about the process, but it really is. It's yeah. about loving the process. Yeah, loving practice. Well, that, that's the thing too. And, and people ask me, so well, how long are you going to continue to do play by play, folks? I'm only quote unquote only 59 i think i've got oh, we're giving her more, more than i'm all i'm younger i'm a year younger than you <laughs> i i think i think i was got some years left but part of it too is you have to love the preparation if you don't love the preparation if you don't love the process then everybody loves the games that's easy and, and hubie is nine, 90 yeah so you got a long time buddy you got <laughs> we, a long time that's not gonna knock on wood hopefully uh hopefully that's the case uh, looking ahead, I've, I've got some stuff, but uh, you want to go first on this? Why don't you go first while I make some stuff up in my head? You go ahead, you make some stuff up. Hey, the in-season, the NBA in-season tournament dropped uh, their schedule today. Um, the full schedule is going to drop on Thursday, which I'm going to be driving to Chicago. So I, it, I'm, I'm going to have, uh, man, I can't wait. I'll get, to, get checked into the hotel and I'm going to look at the schedule. It's like Christmas Day for us because we know where we're going to be when we're going to be we know the grizzlies will not play on christmas day there have been reports of what the christmas day games are grizzlies are not involved however the insert eden yeah yeah uh it's the beer it's the beer obviously yes uh the in-season tournament a first this year that schedule has dropped already and uh what they have basically done they're creating an in-season tournament that's going to take place uh November into uh, early December, I believe, is when the championship games will be played. They've divided the 30 teams into six pods of five teams each. You'll play around Robin. The games have already been scheduled, and they will be part of the 82-game schedule. So there's really minimal disruption to the schedule. And then what happens is the top team out of each of the six pods plus two wild cards, who will be the two best second-place finishers in each pod, uh, they will go on, and then they'll do a single elimination knockout round. The um, Everything except the semifinals and final will be played in an NBA arena, in somebody's home arena. The semifinals and final will be played in Vegas, of course. Um, so right now we know that Friday, November the 3rd, uh, we will be in Portland to take on the Portland Trailblazers. Is this exclusive? No, no, no. This is oh, this okay. has been released. No, oh, man. No. I thought we had something. No, 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 no. I like my job too well <laughs> to start to start. Yeah, to start dropping stuff that no, I I, I can't. Um, then on Friday, November the tenth, uh, the Grizzlies will be at home. They will take on the Utah Jazz. Uh, then on Tuesday, November the fourteenth, we will be back on the road. Golly, that's going to be two Western road trips like within a couple of weeks. Uh, Grizzlies will play the Lakers on Tuesday, November the 14th. And then the final uh, game of the preliminary round, Grizzlies will be at home the day after Thanksgiving against the Phoenix Suns. So Grizzlies in their pod, they've got uh, Phoenix and Utah and Portland and um, 
the LA Lakers. And so the winner of that pod will go into, into the top eight. And basically the way that they're going to do this, so that if you, if you don't make the top eight, they're going to schedule games for you, I think, in early December to make up you know, the two that the other teams are playing as they go into the knockout rounds. The only teams that are going to play 83 games this year will be the two teams that end up in the final. So that is um, so that's what's going on with the NBA in-season tournament. I think it's an intriguing idea. I know a lot of people don't like it. There's relatively minimal disruption to the regular season. It's just that once you play those four qualification or group games, you don't know then what two additional games you're going to play. And one could be at home, one could be on the road. You really don't know where it is. So that's going to create uh, probably a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of disquiet, if you will. I will say all four of those games will be available on local television. None of them are on TNT. None of them, in fact, are on on um, ESPN either. So, uh, what's what do you think is the motivation for the tournament? I'm glad you asked. I'm uh, basically what the NBA was concerned about is most people think that the NBA season really begins on Christmas Day because you've got the NFL and you've got college football sucking up all the oxygen in October and November. So these seeding games are going to start in early November. And then uh, I have the date for the final here. Um, I want to say that the final is probably going to be the final is going to be in November. So it's like I, I'm, I'm sorry, in December. So yeah, the uh, the championship will be Saturday, December the 9th. So basically, it's going to fall after I think uh, after all the college football conference championship games. Here's the thought for the NBA. People think that the NBA season starts on Christmas. The NBA wanted to have a tentpole program so that they could say, okay, November, December, it's going to be the in-season tournament. Then it's Christmas. Then it's the all-star game in February. Then it's the run to the playoffs in March. And now we get to the playoffs in April. So they were trying to build viewership, I think, throughout. Um, I think it's a smart move. It's a little bit like the FA Cup and the Premier League. Or one of those cups, right? Right. right. Kind of it, yeah, yeah. That that's been Adam Silver, the commissioner. That has been his thing. Let's try this. And um, I know that there there's been some skepticism, but there was skepticism around the play-in aspect of uh, the NBA playoffs, and it's turned out to be a remarkable success for the NBA. And so I talked to their director of basketball analytics, and he said, "We got the play-in right. Trust us on the mid-season tournament." So. We'll see. I, I, I know that there's going to be a substantial financial reward for the team that uh, for the players on the team that actually win uh, the championship. So, you know, we'll hopefully hopefully teams will play their players and not hold them out. But see, because the qualification games, they all count toward the regular season standing. So you have every motivation to go ahead and want to win those games mm-hmm. anyway. It's not this is not like, OK, we're stopping the NBA season to run this tournament and these games in the tournament don't count toward the the uh, regular season record. So I think I think that part is smart of it. Um, the other thing is I'm going to Ireland. I mean Notre I'm Dame jealous. Navy. How many days are you going to be in Dublin? Uh, I think it's three days God, in Dublin. City. You're going to do Killarney for about three days, yeah. Dublin for three days, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Well, see, Notre Dame has played in Ireland before against Navy, and the last time they played, the NBA was locked out. That means I wasn't. There's no money to go to Ireland, uh, and then of course they were scheduled to go in 2020. Then COVID happened, and uh, so now when this opportunity presented itself, yes, I am going to. We can't. My, my mention, third time in Ireland. We can't mention 
Ireland without again mentioning our favorite Irishman, Aaron Malloy. Aaron not Malloy, FC, yeah, captain. I understand Aaron is a he. He listens to this podcast. He does. Yeah, all right. Shout, shout out, out to Aaron. Shout out to Aaron Thank Malloy. You, sir. Boy, Seamus is going to be really jealous now. Oh, He's, well, <laughs> and to Seamus also, which I'm going to have to send him this. When we met, you know, at the brass door on Saturday at 6.30 a.m., half of us hung over from the Friday night before. He's nice enough every time because he can't get the cooks to come in that early. He brings a box of donuts. Yeah, I think yeah. last time you it were was there breakfast was sandwiches. Egg, egg McMuffins. Yeah, Egg McMuffins. So, Seamus Loftus, proprietor of the Brass Door, which is the Arsenal bar, um, the Arsenal pub uh, in Memphis. So shout out to Seamus Loftus. Our two favorite Irishmen. Yeah, our two favorite Irishmen. Um, okay, what do, you, what do you got? So on? I'm looking forward to a couple things. One is, when are we going to be on Apple? I'm looking forward to that. Because a lot of my I friends keep, keep asking I keep, me. I keep checking, and we haven't gotten approved yet. I'm not quite sure why. Wow. I mean, they said a man take, of your they, stature, we they, should have they, been they, on there immediately. They said it, it could take three to five weeks. I, I, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, there, are, there are other podcasts called Live a Little. I guess we, maybe we need to do investigate the title a little bit more. I don't no, know. it's a great title. <laughs> I like the way you squanched it together, though. That, that, was, I, I, that was not by design. It was a typo. It was a typo, probably. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to doing this. You know, we're both about to get really busy when I start traveling for working with different college teams around the country. Um, I think we said we'll probably go to about once a month on this instead of once a week, right? We're going to try to do that. I don't know when you're going to start writing the follow-up to your book. (laughs) I I know we're 49 minutes in before I got to it, but I had to get to it. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, But it certainly won't be once a week, but we'll try to continue. Well, I'll tell you what. Thursday afternoon, I'll know what my schedule is. (laughs) Good. We'll have to start planning that around that. We'll have to start planning You might be in a hotel in one part of the country and I'll be in another you can do this we can record over zoom right? yeah we can we can do that it, it has been done before all right uh that is a wrap for the fourth episode of live a little it has come to you direct from the world galactic headquarters of pranica media at a secure undisclosed location in east memphis he's greg graber i'm pete pranica thank you so much for listening and away we go thanks for listening everybody